We were just singing about the dry and thirsty land. And if you're in here this morning and you feel like your life is dry and you're thirsty for something different, let me offer to you Jesus Christ. He's a, a fountain of living waters. And he told the woman at the well, if you'll come and drink of me, you'll never thirst again. That's my experience. I, one day as a young man, I was about 17 years old, and I was at a church just about like this. I heard the preacher preaching Jesus Christ, and I knew I was a sinner. And I walked down there, and I said, I, I want to take Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. It's just like this drink of water right here. I took a long, tall drink of Jesus Christ, and I never wanted another drink of anything else. Ever. It satisfied me. And... Uh, I've never went looking for anything else. Now, am I perfect? No. Have I done, have I done, done a lot of sins? Yes. I've done a lot. I've made a lot of mistakes. But as far as my salvation goes, as far as my soul goes, as far as my spiritual walk, I knew, I knew there was no use in looking into Muhammad or Buddha or into Shintoism or into anything else. I knew I had it. Once I had Jesus Christ, I knew I had it. Now, we're going to read what Jesus Christ had to say about himself this morning. So you don't have to take my word for it. You can follow along with me in John chapter 14. Gospel of John chapter 14. You can follow along with me. And we're going to look at what Jesus Christ had to say. He had to say some amazing things. <laughs> this whole gospel of John is, is amazing. And if I had an opportunity, and I don't, I don't have it because I drive y'all all out here. I'd be up here preaching to myself. But I would preach out of the gospel of John every Sunday. I just love the Gospel of John. I heard of a, a pastor, preacher that preached Isaiah 1, the chapter of Isaiah 1, for 70 years. Just Isaiah 1. Now, if you don't know your Bible, go home and read Isaiah 1 and study that. You'll be, I can see how a brother could do that. I mean, just what I'm going to read to you, I'm going to skip over so much just reading this morning. And I encourage you, if you don't read your Bible, start reading about your Bible on a reading plan. You say, well, I'm not a very good reader. I'm not a very fast reader. Start in the Gospel of John and just take your time. Just take your time. We're, we should have handed you, if you're coming here and you're visiting, we should have handed you a chart. It's a Bible reading chart. It you, you can keep track of what you're reading and just take your time. If you only read three verses a day and you meditate on those verses all day long, you're doing a lot better if you're trying to read through your Bible really quick and try to get to it, through it in a year. That's my experience of reading my Bible. I can't encourage you enough, though, to start in the Gospel of John. If you've never read your Bible, start in the Gospel of John, you'll find out what it's all about. Look at uh, Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 1. Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 1. Here's the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, he's talking to the disciples here. He's not talking to a lost man, or he's not talking to a lost woman. Talking to his disciples. What he's doing, he's talking to me and you. If you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, this is for you. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye May be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Now, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Amen. If ye had known me, you, have no, you should have known my Father also. From henceforth you know him and have seen him. That's interesting. He just told Thomas, if you know me, you know the Father. And now you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
Now, if you talk to a Jehovah's Witness or you talk to a Mormon, you talk to some of these other uh, offshoot denominations, some of them claim that Jesus Christ what, isn't God. He's, he's not the Son of God. He's not God manifest in the flesh. And they'll argue with you night and day. And you'll turn to one verse, and like 1 Timothy, and they'll say, see, that, that, they'll try to do away with that one verse. And I'm here to tell you, this whole Bible, this whole gospel is full of this stuff where Jesus is claiming to be God. You can't get around, bro, you can't get around it. Now look what he says here. Now, now, now read it with me. Philip said unto him, because some of y'all are thinking the same thing Philip's thinking. Lord, show us the Father and it suffices us. So, okay, you keep talking about God the Father, you keep talking about God the Father. Well, show us God the Father. Look what Jesus says in verse 9, one of the most amazing things a man has ever said on this planet Earth. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? You know, when I first started reading this Bible, when I first started really getting serious about studying it, that verse right there made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Because you're reading through there, and he's asking, Thomas is asking a question that I would ask. Philip's asking another question I would ask. And you'd be there with Jesus Christ and say, well, okay, Jesus, you keep talking about the Father. Show us the Father. And to have Jesus Christ turn to you and say, have I been this long with you and you don't know me? And look you in the eye? You're looking at the Father right here. That's what he's saying. He that has seen me has seen the Father. And hath, how sayest then now, then show us the Father. Now skip down to verse 15. Now what I've shown you in those first nine verses is that Jesus Christ and God the Father are one. Now I'll turn to a scripture later on this morning and show you in John 10 where he says that very thing I just said. But God the Father and Jesus Christ are one. When you see Jesus, you want to know how God would act? Read how Jesus acted. You want to know what God would have said? Read what Jesus Christ said. You want to know how God would have done anything? See how Jesus Christ done anything. That's what you're finding out here, that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. Put, God has put himself into man. But Jesus goes on to tell his disciples something that they had never heard before. Look at verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father... There he is, God the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Who is that? Verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Jesus is... This is the right before Jesus Christ is, took the, uh, goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and is betrayed, right before he's about to be hung on the cross and crucified, and he's given the last commandments to his, to his disciples, and he's telling them, now listen, I'm about to go and the Comforter, another, notice verse 16, another Comforter, another Comforter. Who's the other Comforter? Jesus Christ and God the Father. Say, well, how are you putting them three? Why do you keep putting them three together? Because Jesus Christ keeps putting them together. And, and let me show you. Skip down to verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. And we, who's that we there? Jesus and the Father. 
we will come unto him and make our abode with him. The Holy Spirit's in you. God the Father's in you. Jesus Christ is in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. What I'm doing is I'm showing you there's a trinity there. And you might say, I don't understand the trinity. Well, I don't understand all of it either. But I will tell you, you can, you can, you can think about it and meditate on it. You can't do away with it. Because he just said that we, my Father, and we will love him. And we, that would be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, according to verse 16. The comforters will come unto you and make our abode with him. They'll come in and reside with you. The best way I can describe the Trinity, and the way I like to try, try to, and there's lots of different ways to try, try to describe it. The best way I can try to describe the Trinity to you is that I am a Trinity. I personally am a Trinity. I'm, all, I'm a body, a soul, and a spirit. But I'm also a Trinity in the way I manifest myself out. Because I'm a father, I'm a husband, and I'm a friend. To most of y'all in here, I'm a friend. And you'll, I'll talk to you as a friend. We'll have dealings as a friend. But to this one woman right here, I'm a husband. So I don't manifest myself out the same way to Brother Stewart as I manifest myself out to my wife, right? I don't come up and grab Brother Stewart and kiss him on the lips and hug him and, and say, hey, baby, what's for supper tonight? I don't manifest myself out that way, do I? No. And as, uh, as, as, as a father, I don't manifest myself out to my son the way I manifest. I don't spank my wife like spank my son. That's three different Kiggins. But if you was to pull them to the side and he was to describe... Kegan to you, he would describe Kegan to you differently than my wife would describe Kegan to you. And my son would describe Kegan to you different than my wife and uh, Brother Stuart would describe Kegan to you. What am I trying to say? I'm the same Kegan, but I have to manifest myself out in three different ways. God is one God. He's the Lord God, but he manifests himself out as a father, as a son through Jesus Christ, and as the Holy Ghost through the Holy Spirit. That's how it works. That's the simplest way. But it goes deeper than that, guys, and it goes above my intelligence to even try to describe it. But this morning, I want to focus back up on verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. So I'm going to preach this morning on the Trinity, the Trinity of comfort. The Trinity of of comfort. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you humbly. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray, Father, your Holy Spirit will move, lead, God, direct among us, Lord God. I pray, Father, that your words will be preached, not mine, Lord. I pray, Father, that Jesus Christ will be glorified and lifted up in every way, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would witness and minister to your people, Lord, this morning, Lord. I pray, Father, that you'll send that manna from heaven, Lord God, that we might feast off of, Lord, I pray, Father, that we're living in a dry land, Lord God. I pray, Father, that the waters, the living waters, Lord, that fountain would be available to us, Lord. And I pray, Father, you'd fill us up. But, Father, I pray if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, Father, they don't know this indwelling of your spirit in us, Lord. They don't know the comforter. I pray, Father, that when we give the invitation at the end of this sermon, Lord God, they'll come on down, Lord, and get saved, Lord. And I thank you. For the people of this church, Lord God, to keep the doors open, Lord God, that come in. They love you. They want to hear from you, Lord God. I pray, Father, you honor that. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. We're doing a trinity of comfort. This is a trinity of comfort. And the trinity is the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and, of course, the Holy Ghost, or we call the Holy Spirit, either one. So the first comforter is the Father. The Father's a comforter. And it's a comfort to know you have a Father. I grew up without a dad. 
I didn't really know what it was to have a dad, so it took me years and years to understand why, how important it was that God decided to call me father, to call, me, to call himself father and to call me a son. I didn't understand that concept because I didn't have a dad. I didn't know what it meant to be a father until I had my own child. And when I had my own child and I became a father, then it all came real to me. The first night we took the, 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 my son home, he's laying there. I remember getting up about 50 times at night like, is he still breathing? Is he still breathing? What happened? My universe that it was Keegan, see how the universe revolved around Keegan? And then when I had my child, the universe was in this little boy right here. And my whole life was him. What can I do to make his life better? What can I do to be a better man? What can I do to be a better dad? What can I do to, to give him everything I want to give him? What, it was all about serving him all of a sudden. And it, re, and it came to realization that when I got saved, God says, I'm your father. You're part of the family of God. I'm his son. That means that God has a responsibility to take care of me. Very humbling that the God of the universe decides he wants to take care of you. And it has a responsibility to that. That's a comfort to me. Especially growing up without dad, that's a real comfort to me. To know that God the Father has a responsibility to take care of me. Look back at verse 2. Chapter 14, verse 2. God the Father is a comforter. He's a comforter. He says, Jesus says in verse 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. It's a comfort that I have a father and that he has a mansion. And he doesn't have just one mansion, right? Amen. Because I know if, if we had only one mansion up in heaven, I know they'd send me down into the cellar. Amen. That's where a lot of us, they send a lot. <laughs> I wouldn't get to be up there. And I, you go down in the cellar where you belong, boy. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. I'd be more than happy to do that. Yeah. Can I just sit outside and sleep with the dogs? I'd be okay. Just let me stay here with you, Lord. But it doesn't say mansion. Singular, what's it say? Mansions. You got a father who's got a lot of money. <laughs> That's a comfort. That's a real comfort. Because I've seen, I've been around young men and young women that had, that had parents that were rich. And I've seen how they acted. They acted like their mom and dad's going to buy them anything. And you call them spoiled, right? Like you, you see the kid, you can tell the kids that didn't have to buy their own tires because they're peeling out all over town. What? What? Just running that car, wrecking into a tree. Oh, mama will buy me another one. Daddy will get me another one. And we're over there buying those old clunkers. Because we had to buy our own. They're spoiled, right? Guys, everybody in here is a spoiled child of God. Amen. We're spoiled children. God is blessed. We're, we're spoiled that we get to live in this country. There's brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters in Christ that don't get to go to church this morning in Ukraine because their church is blown up, burned down, fleeing for their lives. We're up here. We're, some, some of us sitting here going, I wish he'd shut up so I can go eat. There's brothers and sisters that aren't going to get to eat today. We're spoiled children of God. And we have a responsibility being spoiled to do something for the Lord that some of our other brothers and sisters aren't allowed to do. We need to support the missionaries. We need to get the truth out. We need to spread the gospel. Hand out gospel tracts. Invite people to church. Do those things that God would expect one of his spoiled children to do. Not to sit back there and not clean our room and have him come in and have to spank us. But it's a comfort to know we have a father that loves us. told you I grew up without a father and when I found out that my dad that I had only met three months before had been murdered I was about eight years old I came home and they came over to my aunt's house and she said I got some news for you Keegan your dad's been killed and eight years old my, my little eight-year-old mind couldn't wrap myself around I just met him I just got to know him I just got to find out who my dad was 
Remember my aunt was sitting there in a chair and I just crawled up in my aunt's lap and I just cried and I cried and I cried. It broke that little eight-year-old boy's heart. And I know now that I have a father, I know what I can do when my heart gets broken. I crawl up in the father's lap. Just like I did my dear old aunt when I was eight years old. I, crawl, I get down on my knees and I pray and I crawl up in my father's lap and I say, Lord, I can't take this. I can't take the stress. I can't do this. And the Lord with his loving arms, that loving father, just says, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. The father, father is a comforter. Our Lord Savior Jesus Christ, he's a comforter. Yes, he is. Look at verse 18. Verse 18, skip down to Psalm chapter 14, verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And there's some promises in this chapter 14, guys. You've got to wrap your mind around it. You've got to love it. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. What does that mean? That means when your sin has drove you far off into the wilderness, well, that sin, your sin might have drove you away from your family, away from your friends, away from all your loved ones. You might be out underneath a bridge somewhere and Jesus Christ will come to you. What a comfort. Because some of us, if you were like me, were in a state of sin that you could not reach God the Father. You cannot reach Jesus Christ. And it's a comfort to know that Jesus Christ says, I will come. You're not going to be comfortless. You're not going to be alone. I will come to you. What a comfort. Look at verse 19. Yet a little while and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me because I live. Ye shall live also. <laughs> Amen. What's he talking about right there, Pastor? What he's talking about is the resurrection. So I'm about to die. You're not going to see me no more, but you will see me. See these oxymorons that go all through the Bible? Somebody who doesn't have the Holy Spirit living in them, doesn't have the Holy Spirit to lead, God teach them, can open up this book and read through that and go, what in the world is he talking about? But as us as Christians, through the, through the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, can see that because I live, ye shall live also. Why is that a comfort to you, Pastor? It's a comfort to me to know that Jesus Christ died and came out of that grave. And if I die and put in a grave over there in that cemetery, I'm coming up. Why am I coming up? Because Jesus Christ came up. And he says right there, because my Lord and Savior said, But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. See, Thomas, if I'd have been there, just like Thomas, I would have turned around and said, I'm, I'm already alive, Lord. <laughs> what do you mean? We're talking about real life. We're talking about resurrected life. We're talking about that life to come. Guys, if you're honest with yourself this morning, this life is not much to live for. If you're not living for Jesus Christ, you have to be men most miserable. That's why the world's miserable. That's why they're drinking themselves to death. That's why they're drugging themselves to death. That's why they're trying to find any way they can have any kind of entertainment to take their mind off that this world is miserable. It's run by the devil, it's run by Satan, so of course it's miserable. But why are Christians smiling and happy? Because we know there's a new life coming. <laughs> and it's a comfort to know that. It's a comfort. Our Lord and Savior is a comforter. Look at verse 20. He goes on to continue. Jesus Christ continues in verse 20. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Whew. Wrap your mind around that. There's a trinity and you're involved in it. At that day you should know that I am in my Father. 
Trinity. And ye in me, I'm in Jesus Christ, and I in you, Christ is in me. That's kind of hard to wrap your mind around, but it's a comfort. Look at, just keep your hand here, but turn, to John, turn a couple pages back to John chapter 10. I promised you I would read this to you, kind of explain it to you. John chapter 10, verse 28. He had already kind of mentioned this to them. They didn't probably understand it. Why do you say they didn't understand it, Keegan? Because they didn't understand it because they didn't have the Holy Spirit to open their eyes. We take, it, we take for granted what the Holy Spirit's doing for us, even this morning, in Scripture, opening our eyes to what the Lord has for us. Look at John chapter 10, verse 28. Jesus Christ is talking about His followers. Look what He says in verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life. Right. Now, 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 guys, listen. He didn't say they earn eternal life. They're going to work for me and I'll give it to them after they've earned their wages. He says, I give unto them eternal life. It's a gift. It's a free gift. And if, what is it? It's a, eternal life. And they shall never perish. That's why Jesus Christ says, he that believes in me will never die. Well, no, he says, he that believes in me, pardon me. He says, he that believes in me shall never see death. If you believe in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and we might be on the outside in the flesh, and we see you take your last breath on this earth, and we see that soul, you can almost physically see it. Sometimes the way the, the body just goes, and that soul departs, you're never going to see death. You're going to see Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Here we go, up to heaven. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Allstate stole that from Jesus. Allstate has those commercials. You're in good hands. You're not in the best hands. The best hands is Jesus Christ. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. Underline that. What's he greater than? He's greater than all the armed forces in the world. He's greater than all the satanic forces in the world. I'll go you one more. I'll go you one more that's more important than all those. He's greater than all your sins. The Father's greater than all that, and He can keep you. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I thought, they was in, I thought we're in Jesus' hand. No, we're in the Father's hand. That doesn't make any sense, Brother Keegan. I know, it's, a tri it's, it's hard to explain. So what Jesus knows, what you're thinking. So look at the very next verse. I and my Father are one. Uh-oh. He just claimed He's God. Oh, are you sure about that, Pastor? Look at the very next verse. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed them for my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? Then the, Jesus, the Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because thou hast, that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. Yeah, he's right. They're, he's, they're, well, they're half right. He's both of them. He's a man. He's a son of man. He's a son of God. Turn back to John 14. It's a comfort. It's a comfort, brothers and sisters, to know that you're in Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ went in the grave and came up, you went into the grave and came up. If Jesus Christ died on the cross, guess what? You died on the cross for your sins. If Jesus Christ is in heaven, according to Ephesians chapter 2, you're in heavenly places. Wherever Jesus Christ is at, that's where we're at. In God's eyes. 
spiritually. Spiritually. The best way I can... Well, a good illustration of that is you get in an airplane. You get in that airplane, you fly up. You go, you're up in an airplane, you're about 30,000 feet up. You find this airplane 30,000 feet up. You're in the airplane. If I was to tell you, hey, I'm going to fall and trip 30,000 feet up, people say, that's going to be a long way down, amen? Yeah, I fell, from 30, I fell at 30,000 feet. How'd you live? Because I was in the airplane. See, I got up to go to the bathroom, and somebody stuck the foot out. And, oh, I tripped up, but I was in the airplane at 30,000 feet. I was saved. You got all those sins that are going to send you to hell? Yeah, they were going, but I'm in Christ. And when I'm in Christ, even if I trip and fall, I'm still in heavenly places. Heavenly places. You got a great comfort in Jesus Christ. You got a great comforter in the Holy Spirit. Look at John chapter 14, verse 26. John chapter 14, verse 26. You got a great comforter in the Holy Spirit. But the comforter, Jesus says, but the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Whose name? The name of Jesus. That's why it's so important. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. The comforter, the Holy Ghost is a comforter because it reminds you and teaches you about Jesus Christ. That's a comfort. Because what the world does, the world tries to do everything they can to get you to forget about Jesus Christ. Everything. I, I challenge you. Now, maybe you can show me. I, know I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't watch a lot of movies. I watch some, but I challenge you to show me a movie or a TV show that's really showing people going to church. The last one I could think of is Little House on the Prairie. I don't know if they But if you look at modern-day TV, you look at the... It, it's got, they don't mention people at church. So many, well, you got millions and millions of Americans going to church, and you don't have those millions of Americans going to church represented in any TV or shows or movies or anything. Why is that? Because, well, number one, they hate you. And number two is they don't want to help promote that one name that you do not name, the name of Jesus Christ. But it's a comfort to know that he can teach you about it. Verse 26, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. He's a teacher and it's a comfort to, to be taught from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a great teacher, guys. Because he doesn't give it to you all at once. You ever been around teachers like that? Somebody's trying to teach you something, and they give it to you all at once, and your mind just goes, you can't, you can't handle it. You, can't. you need the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will give you a little bit here and a little bit there. He knows what you need. He knows how much you need. He knows when you can take a little bit more. He's God as a spirit. He knows all things. He can help you out. Look at verse 7 of chapter 16. John chapter 16, verse 7. We'll look a little bit more at the Holy Spirit, how great a comforter he is. This is why he's a comfort to you. He's a comforter. John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. And of course, this is the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ speaking again. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Send him unto you. I want you to notice as we read through these next like four or five verses how many times he is mentioned. Holy Spirit is, is a male. Just like God the Father. 
and God the Son. It's a male. It's a, it, it, and that kind of goes back to Sunday school teaching. I'm not trying to ram it down your throat, but I'm trying to show you the Bible's the Bible. It's the truth, the truth. I mean, I, I'm not changing it for anybody. And if they don't like what I say on Facebook or YouTube or whatever, they, you know, it don't matter to me. I'm going to keep on preaching it. I don't care. And if a lot of y'all get mad at me and say, you know what, I'm leaving, I'll just, you know what, we'll just plow this thing down and turn it into a, a honky-tonk or something. Amen. Let's just turn it, if we're going to waste our time, and we're not going to stick with the Word, what, we're wasting our time. That's why the churches are in the shape they are in America. They got away from the Word of God. It's not convenient. This thing is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me to have to get up here and tell you what the Word of God is telling because I can see the reaction on some of your faces. I mean, either, you've got, either you had a bad breakfast or you're mad about what's being said. And I'm not trying to offend you. I, you, I, want, I love you guys. I pray for every one of you every morning. I love you guys. But it doesn't make it any easier to get up here and telling you this <laughs> and showing you this. But He will be a comfort to you because look at verse 8. And when He has come... He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Reprove means to convince of a fault. The Holy Spirit is sent to convince people of a fault that they have about what? Of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Jesus goes on to, dis dis he goes on to illustrate and describe what he means in verse 9. The Holy Spirit is going to convince the world of sin, verse 9, of sin because they believe not on me. See, what sends you to hell is not your sin. It's the omission of not believing on Jesus Christ. It's a sin of omission. It's not a sin of commission. Listen, everybody's going to hell without Jesus Christ. The Jews, it don't matter. The most righteous person, the good, good person you know, if they don't have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, according to this book, they're going to hell. Because it's a, it's a sin of omission. You must believe in Jesus. You must take Him as your Lord and Savior. Verse 10, of righteousness. Why is he reproving the world of righteousness? Because I go to my Father and you see me no more. The world, what, sin, what the Holy Spirit does is it convinces the world there's nobody who's righteous except for Jesus Christ. He's the most righteous one. That's why he convinces the world of righteousness. And then in verse 11, of judgment. Because the prince of this world is judged. Meaning, hey, the Holy Spirit's telling you, you will be judged that's what he does he comes in and says you're a sinner you need to believe in Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit comes in and says you need his righteousness because you can't get his righteousness the righteousness of Jesus Christ then he comes in and says to your heart you're going to be judged it's a warning <laughs> we're in a meeting the other day y'all had those emergency alerts on there on your phones Goes like that, and it's like it's a it's an amber alert or no it's a, it's a gray fox alert. What's that that they use for the older people? Silver fox alert or silver alert or something like that. You know, my ninety year old granny down at the other south of Houston is missing. You know, so you might be looking for her up in Brownwood. I'm like, oh come on. Every one of them went off all at the same time, and it was almost like it was it was comical. Cause see, I turned mine off a long time ago. But people in a, you know, this, and they're trying to turn it off. It's embarrassing them and everything. And I'm laughing. <laughs> That's how the Holy Spirit does. You be going along, everything seems right in life. All of a sudden, you're going to be judged. You're a sinner. Jesus is the righteousness. 
That's what the Holy Spirit sent to do. That's what he did to me when I was about 17. You know what I did? I went down and I got saved. I said, I got to get this right and believe in Jesus Christ. And then what did the Holy Spirit do then? Then he comes in and starts indwelling you. Starts leading, guiding you. Look at verse 12. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, then shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. It's a comfort to know that he's going to guide you. He's going to lead you. He's going to teach you. It's a great comfort to know that you're not alone. Yes, Jesus Christ is in heaven. And we know Jesus Christ is coming back. But he didn't leave us alone. He left us a comforter. It's him indwelling us through the Holy Spirit. And notice it says of the Spirit. He shall not speak of himself. He shall not hear him. And he, that he shall, what, what, whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Listen. You'll talk to like a Jehovah's Witness or somebody and they'll say the Holy Spirit is nothing but a force. Kind of like the way the, the Star Wars franchise uses may the force be with you like it's some kind of invisible force. A force doesn't speak, it doesn't hear, and it doesn't show you something. This is the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is, 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 is a person. And you can grieve Him. You can make Him sad by the way you act. That's what this is talking about. It is comfort to know that you have this Holy Spirit living in you. In verse 14, he shall glorify me, for he shall receive a mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take a mine and shall show it unto you. It's a comfort to know that the Holy Spirit is showing you everything that is yours because it belongs to the Father. It's up in heaven. And if you're praying and you're getting in the Holy Spirit, he'll give you glimpses of heaven. And I'm telling you what, guys. You'll never be the same. Just, I mean, I had that happen to me one time in my Christian walk. Just one time. Well, I was praying, and it, I was out at lunch, and I was reading my Bible, and it's like, like that. It was like, just for like half a second, a second, I felt like heaven was open up and just closed back again. It's like the way I try to describe it. It's like, when you know how you smell something really good? And you, oh, and then all of a sudden you're like, where'd that come from? You're trying to smell it. That's the way I was. I was like... It's like a wisp. I just wanted it back. I wanted it back. And my heart just swelled up. And I thought, thank you, Lord. He, just, he gave me just a little taste of it. Guys, I'm telling you. When Paul had a big taste of it, Paul said in Corinthians, he said, there's things I've seen that I can't even repeat. I can't tell you about. You can't imagine. That's what the Holy Spirit will do for you. And that's a great comfort. Let me show you one last thing and we're closing. Romans chapter 8 and we're closing. We're getting out of here. Romans chapter 8. So we got a trinity of comfort. We got comfort from God the Father. We got comfort from Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. And I'm going to show you one last thing the Holy Spirit does for you in closing. Romans chapter 8 verse 15 if you're following along. One last thing. Romans chapter 8 verse 15. Man, grab a hold of these verses right here. You need to underline them. You need to put a star by them. You need to know them. Verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Oh. You know, when things get tough, and they get tough for me all the time, and I get down on my knees and I cry to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, 
And it, it hits me that I have a Father that loves me, and the Holy Spirit is, is telling me not to be fearful, that you've been adopted, that you're in the family. You've been adopted. He's not going to kick you out. You're in His hand. You're in Jesus Christ's hand. And look at verse 16. The Spirit, capital S, look, the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit, lowercase s, that we are the children of God. Are you a child of God? Can you say this morning, I am a child of God? I didn't say you had to say you're a good child of God. I didn't, have to, I didn't say you had to confess that you're an obedient child of God. But can you at least say, I'm a child of God. I could be a better child. I could be less spoiled. I could be a better obedient child. I could be a more loving child. I could be a more honor-giving to the father child. All the way children can be disobedient. I could, be, I could do a lot better. But I know one thing. I'm his child. And the Holy Spirit cries unto my heart, Abba, Father. I want you to have this Father. I want you to have this Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to have this Holy Spirit. And the only way you're going to get it is nothing I can do. I wish I could just give it out to everybody I've seen, if they liked it or not. Wouldn't that be fun? Just, you know, they're like, I don't want Jesus Christ. Boom, just hit them in the head. Oh! You know, and then the Lord just fill them with the Holy Spirit. Woo, praise God! You know, I just, I mean, that'd be the funnest. I mean, that'd be so fun. But God don't let us do that. Why not? Because he believes, I see our God's an amazing God and he believes in free will. You got to make that choice yourself. And that makes that love more real, amen? Amen. Our wives and our husbands in here know that. We got to make them say, I will, or I do, Right? And if they got to have a free will, we don't want a shotgun, right? That's the thing. Last, no, they got to, by free will, say, will you take this man to be your lawfully husband, wedded husband? And, he, and you want her to say, I do. Be like me when I married my wife. I was sitting up there, and her brother was marrying us, and we're sitting up there, and uh, I'm waiting. And they're playing the music, and then they keep playing the music. Well, the whole time, her dad and her in the back, they don't know they're supposed to come in. And I'm waiting, and I'm like, oh, no, she's ran. Oh, no, she's left me. Oh, no, she's not going to marry me. Oh, no. And about that time, dun, 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 I'm like, ooh, praise God. <laughs> but she still had to get up there and say I do in front of a bunch of people. Amen. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you want Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, come on down. Get saved. Find out what all the good stuff's at. Because in this world, you're not going to find it. You're not going to find it. Dear Heavenly Father, I just... Thank you for these people, Lord, that love you. Father, there's so many saved people in here, Lord God, that just have a heart for you, Lord. They want to do better, Lord. They want to be better children. But, Lord, I pray, Father, through your Holy Spirit, give us that power to do that, Lord. And, Lord, I pray you, Father, you forgive us, Lord, when we don't come to you when we should come to you with our problems, with our hurts, with, with, with our, our depression, whatever it might be, Lord. We don't come to you and just crawl up in your lap, Lord God, and let you love on us, Lord. Please forgive us, Lord, for being obstinate and being stiff-necked and hard-headed, Lord God. We just... Living in the world in the flesh, Lord, we forget, Lord, there's a spiritual side of things. Lord, we do want to thank you this morning, Lord, for being a comforter. Thank you for the comfort we have in Jesus Christ and in your love, Father, and in the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And Lord, I pray, Father, if somebody needs to make a decision, they'll come on down the aisle this morning, Lord God, and get right with you. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Let's have an invitation, brother. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com.
On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care. Upon him